1: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com code LISTEN.
2: So as you know, I saw Mary Margulies last night at time of this episode going live two nights ago because we're being chaotic today. Um, But I saw Mary Margulies on stage.
3: How was that? She,
2: okay. Um, I know people get quite divisive about Miriam Margulies. She's kind of like the nation's Marmite. But I love her. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> I just, there's just something about like how self-confident and how what, that she portrays herself to be and just how like unabashedly herself she is. It just really, I just love it. I just find it inspirational. And so Tom Allen was interviewing her, which I wasn't expecting. Um, So that was a surprise. And they actually, two very people that I wouldn't expect to see in the same room. But he handled her really well, like asked really interesting questions, talked about coming out, which I think, not to get serious right off the bat, but. She has very very interesting opinions about coming out which I don't personally agree with but I find it very interesting.
3: Oh, tell me.
2: So her perception she she writes about it in her first book this much is true. Um but she regrets coming out to her parents. Obviously her parents have both passed away now. She's 82. Um but her parents were quite traditional quite a traditional jewish couple and she said that when she came out um i think she came out when she was 27 um so like 60s 70s uh, time she said it broke her mother's heart and her like her dad kind of wasn't the same again with her and she kind of really regrets doing it and she she said you know but i really wish i hadn't and she feels like people shouldn't have to and I agree with that to an extent, but also I was like, I, she kind of phrases it as um, arrogant or egotistical of of queer people to come out, which is, right. f- which is very interesting. And like, she doesn't mean it in a nasty way. I think she means like, I can kind of understand it, but I can't articulate. You know what I mean? Well, I think just... of what you think
3: generally hard to argue with someone's personal experience like clearly it's coming from a place that's makes a lot of sense to her Mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to argue with it but yeah I don't think that's great advice necessarily for the majority of queer people but it's kind of you know kind of understandable where she's coming from from her personal experience
2: for sure I don't yeah and I don't I think she's she's quite clear that of it in that everyone is different and obviously it's different for younger people now but I think she even acknowledged in recent times that her audience has got younger um because she went viral on TikTok for this funny video of her of her in um In a swimsuit and i can't remember what country it was but oh it's such a good video but that's kind of opened her up to a younger audience and so i think she acknowledges that her opinions are of her time so i think that is good but i just thought it was really interesting that she was just like like who are we to do this um but obviously that's her experience growing up gay and jewish and you know born during the war um Listen, like what you're talking about
3: is actually super relevant for this episode. Yeah. Did you think it like there's so many films I'm even thinking about right now Mm -hmm. where this is kind of part of the narrative, like not coming out and not really planning to. Yeah. Just like living. Living. And then, I mean, this is this is a spoiler for the episode, but we're going to talk about a film where this is literally a third of the narrative. Yeah
2: and it's true and 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 those people they would have been born during the war or prior to the war um exactly there's there's a book called lesbian life stories and it mostly focuses on baby boomers who are queer and or women that were born queer women that were born prior to the war and and their perceptions are very very different and they deal with a lot of the issues that we are going to go on to talk about with the films um and but like obviously it's rare that we get a living narrative like Miriam's like she like I don't have any other like elderly lesbians that's what she that's how she describes herself an elderly lesbian (laughs) I don't have anyone else I don't I don't follow anyone else like and it's it it is interesting but also refreshing to get that older perspective um And her show was very, very funny, but it also it also did make me think. And she did have a Facebook forum where you could ask questions. And I did submit for the podcast. I did try and ask her her favorite queer film, but Tom Allen didn't pick my questions. (laughs) That's (laughs) outrageous. Tom Allen, I love you. But next time, next time. um.
3: (laughs) But if it's like loving Annabelle. (laughs)
2: Can you imagine if she's a loving Annabelle stan? I'd have to stop. I'd, I'd be like, God. your books?
3: No. She's a Jenny's wedding apologist. Well, <laughs> oh, bless her. She's so funny. I love, I love when she pops up on my TikTok when she's on mm. like, the Graham Norton show. She yeah. says some stupid stuff. Her, her, See, I'm not yeah. cussing. I told you I wouldn't cuss. Oh, you're I so good stuff. to me. I know. <laughs> um,
2: um, her, she's so funny. Her Graham Norton appearances are the best she talks about um I don't know if it's in the book but she talked about how she went to go and see Dolly Parton with Graham Norton and she let out a fart and she was just telling this story but the way she tells it I was like I'm dying this is the representation I I crave (laughs) um but yeah no she's fab
3: and we're live I make you nervous,
2: Corky. I'm a homosexual! Lesbian. I'm a homosexual. I have loved you the way they said! You fancy gears. I'm having a proper full on gay crisis. Hello and welcome to Gay Actually. Thanks for being here. It's gonna be a fun old gay time. Which perfect is a lesbian musical film? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I want to carry off badass lesbian chic like Kate Blanchett can. <laughs> welcome! <laughs> hello everyone and welcome back to gay actually the podcast that you can rely on for all of your lgbtq plus shenanigans happy bisexual awareness week we are thriving in september 2023 we see all of you bisexual babes shout out to you for this episode uh my name is amber and as always i'm joined by the smiling queen the lesbian the
3: lesbian <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for a great alliteration i
2: i, I couldn't re- i couldn't i just my brain just stopped uh <laughs> the lovely lesbian lady joyce watty mm. hi queenie hi How <laughs> are you thank doing thank you
3: i didn't i didn't know my last name was on this podcast i'm <laughs> just kidding I does don't it not want less. to be because i can it, stop it can. <laughs> no one knows how to spell it anyway so <laughs> yeah anyway um hi everyone how's it going it's going fine. I feel like it's been ages since we were recorded. Was this, was that since Manchester?
2: Yeah, it's been, a, I think it's been about, um, well, I think we did one after that. But I think, it w- so what happened was, is we recorded a few episodes up front um, to get ahead of the game because we are organized queens. Um, and then I went on holiday. Um, and then, yeah it's been it's been like a month since we've sat down to record so hey girl yeah hi we are recording a lot later than we usually do virtually um so this could be messy considering that i have to edit and upload this in 12 hours so (laughs) let's go so sympathetic (laughs) oh it's for you right now it's fine i had a look at our this is a side note which i might cut out Um, I'm going to make my life very difficult, Um, but I had a look at our analytics earlier um, and 78% of our audience is in the UK, so hello everyone. And the next highest percentage is in Germany, so hello. Guten Tag. Guten Tag to our German listeners. I cannot speak German. You also can't speak German.
3: Deutsch. Nein. Nein. Ein what are we? How do you say homosexual in German? Oh,
2: I you're asking I've never had a German lesson in my life. Do you know that TikTok of that little
3: German boy who's interviewing girls on the street? <laughs> and... ta, ta,
2: ta. <laughs> that one, right? That one.
3: <laughs> oh my god. I love it. <laughs> So when I asked, how do you say homosexual in German? That is how you (laughs)
2: say (laughs) that. And we've lost all 6% of our German listeners. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but thank you for tuning in. Yes, thank you very much. Um, We're very, very grateful that you're here. If there's any German queer films that you would like us to review, please let us know. I would like to expand my horizons.
3: Oh, yeah, I would love to watch a German queer film.
2: I actually still need to see Mukden in Uniform.
3: <gasps> actually, I have seen that one. Mm-hmm. And that was... So, you Germans, you're great, great for that. That's so Because good. that was, like, one of the first depictions of lesbianism in film, mm-hmm. in a German film, in, like,
2: what, 31? Yeah, the OG. Mad.
3: I have seen that one. It's actually... And I've seen, like, the two remakes as well. Yeah, I've, actually, I've not seen it
2: and I should have done because I did a film module, as you well know, in uh, Weimar cinema. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. Um, all of the queer subtexts are very interesting um, in that period of cinema. So, yeah, let us know. If there's any requests, let us know. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I digress. Joyce, what are we gonna be talking about today? So
3: today um, we are going to talk about a very interesting and broad theme, um, can be interpreted in a lot of ways. We'll give you our interpretation in a bit. But we want to talk about frozen in time. So queerness on film, frozen in time, queer films that are frozen in time. What does it mean? How do we move forward? Um, how does it inform us about queer history and queer cinema and queer cinema in history? you know? so
2: you explained that better than I ever could because we had a lot of back and forth about this uh, theme, didn't we? because originally I was gonna I had the idea to talk about if these walls could talk too. and I didn't want to just do a review on it. Because that's already been done. I don't want to look like we're ripping anyone off. That's not my intention. And at first I was like, Ellen DeGeneres is in it. It's problematic. Forgetting that actually, as a teenager, I had a very, very positive and interesting relationship with this film. Like this was a defining film for me. And I just kind of forgot. And then rewatched it the other day. And then was like, this film isn't bad this is not a bad film, why did I invent that it was bad in my mind? And perhaps it's to do with how the film plays with time, I don't know. But anyway, when you experienced it for the first time, Joyce, I mean, you won't mind me saying that you were messaging me like, this is so good, I'm really enjoying it, and I was like, that used to be me like where did that go (laughs) like where did that relationship to that go because I remember watching this film 15 16 loved it but I don't necessarily feel that way
3: now I mean as a film I'll say it's definitely not my favorite um it's also not I'm not gonna say I loved it but I thought that the way they handled the themes was really good
2: yeah yeah
3: and i kind of liked those little fragments of like lesbian stories throughout different time periods i thought that was really interesting especially if you think about it the time periods we're seeing here are all kind of within i'm not gonna say our lifetimes because that's not quite accurate (laughs) but kind of like it's not that far back like the earliest one is what in the 60s Yes. Yes. So, you know, you're uh, my parents are from the sixties. Like it's not that far back. Yeah. So it's really interesting to have kind of to have these three fragments and see how much evolution there is just within those three moments. Mm -hmm. And then kind of think, okay, that was 23 years ago, the last one. Where are we now? Like what has changed? That that I just thought that they picked really interesting themes for each fragment. Mm -hmm. Um and we'll talk about this as well. I can think of other films that were made after that kind of tackle each of these three subjects. yes, yeah. perhaps in a worse way um, some sure. of them some of them may be better, but they're still kind of frozen in time in their own way um for sure I specific think... to you know when they were made
2: yeah i th- I think this film by no means is like. It it is a pocket in time. Like for me, it doesn't age well. However, it kind of, in this particular area of lesbian cinema, I feel like it sets the groundwork for, as you say, a lot of these issues to be discussed later. By no means is it the pioneering film, but it's kind of, it's kind of just, it comes out in 2000, the turn of the century We've got But I'm a Cheerleader coming out around the same time. We have a background in queer cinema, scholarly now. And it's just kind of interesting to kind of place that in and kind of be like, here are some issues that were being debated when we, we were like two, three, (laughs) and now we're adults. And then we've got a whole range of other films to the point where I'm like, oh, this one isn't it's not the best like it's it's just it's just kind of the the perception of time i think is very interesting in connection to it yeah for Um,
3: sure if we're gonna start talking about it oh let's talk about it yeah okay you told me this actually you told me this before i watched the film um just for context i watched if these walls could talk to last night for the first time ever I didn't even know it existed. I've seen it like 10 like, times. Like, this think. film has been off my radar my entire life. Okay. See, that's so like,
2: interesting because obviously, like, <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was like, I think I'm gay. What do I do? I, so I watched Ellen, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were one of those. Yes. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. I'll tell you what, I'm not. I, I loved I'm, Ellen. Yeah, me too. But I don't like her now. <laughs> Maybe, I think that's why this film kind of got shut away for me, because of all of that stuff, and I just was like, nope, nope, and that's why in my head I was like, I hate it. I think that was part of the reason. But you know, I I get it. And like the thing with Ellen for me personally,
3: I don't really care. I <laughs> celebrities. You know, yes, but also I just really my stance on these kind of things is that we have no idea what actually happens, happens, what goes on in their lives, yeah, what the truth is. We're just fed information, right? For so sure. I'm always very like gray on things. And I'm not I'm not an apologist, I'm not Mm-mm. defending anyone. Listen, listen. Hey, if you're a bad person, you're a bad person. Okay. I whatever. But Ellen has done amazing things. For the queer community, for lesbians, she really has like yeah, she was the she mainstream has, lesbian yeah, for a long time. She she made it visible in a lot of spaces where it wasn't before. So she's done amazing things, and this film is one of those. You know, this things. film
2: this film is insane. Um, for those that don't know, it's called If These Walls Could Talk Two because it's an HBO sequel to If These Walls Could Talk. And that was stories... It was also an anthology film, but it was stories related to abortion. Uh, and this one deals with lesbian couples. So um, the three segments are in 1961, 1972, and 2000. Uh, and they were also, as I recently learned, directed by three different women, all three segments, which I think is really interesting for one film. So... Um, I believe the first one was directed by Jane Anderson and then, respectively, Martha Coolidge. And then Anne Heche, who actually was dating Ellen at this time. Spicy. So they were in a relationship. Um, I have to say, RIP to Anne Heche, because didn't she die recently? Oh, what? Oh, she died last year in a car accident oh no yeah um and i remember seeing it pop up on bbc and being like that's a name i've not thought about in 10 years um but again like i i watched a lot of her work because like she directed this she directed the part that ellen was in and they were dating at the time and they went to the premiere together and it was like ellen's first like really really public same sex relationship. But anyway, slight tangent, R I P and digress. Um also, yeah, she directed this the final part. Um, so I mean, how do you wanna tackle this? Do you wanna start talking through the parts Let's, or
3: the themes? Let's actually start at the very start because I think it Let's kind of start at the very <laughs> beginning. That was that was completely unexpected. <laughs> pop off amber <laughs> the start of the, if these walls could talk to i think kind of describes our theme for this entire episode we are in the cinema watching the children's hour oh. um the camera we're kind of just seeing the screen and the camera pans and we see that we're in a cinema and we kind of start seeing people's reaction to the big scene at the end of the film and it's,
2: it's that scene that scene that, that scene. is in our intro I have loved, loved you the way they said they said oh my god Shelly, my clay is heart- through.
3: Oh, heartbreaking, anyway oh. that scene is playing, we see people's reaction to it and kind of different types of reactions, people walking out, people laughing, kind of making fun of what they're seeing, in people this heart wrenching scene, well. walking out yeah And then we see two women that are just crying and holding each other's hand. (laughs) And obviously we immediately get it. Like, these are two lesbians going to the cinema to watch a queer film and see literally being traumatized. So they're finally,
2: but also they're finally seen on screen. So it's a collection of bad way. So It's a collection of emotions being like, yes, finally, I'm being represented. But also, oh, my God.
3: And this and, is, you
2: know, considering how the children's hour goes. High drama. Yeah, oh, yeah. As Abby and this says, is, high drama.
3: This is something we talk about all the time on a podcast is what is good representation? Is it worth it to be seen even when it's bad? Right. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see this from like a third perspective. Like we see these two women in the 60s that are together hiding it, watching a story that has a lesbian in it and it's traumatic yeah and this this is what it means that frozen in time because we see this moment we see what this meant this film because we watched the children's hours now children's hour now yeah but it's actually it's i never thought about what was that like for a lesbian watching that in the 60s when in it came
2: 1961
3: out. yeah like so we get that we get this moment yeah in here. it
2: immediately grounds the film doesn't it it's like right this is the beginning this is where we're going to go this is how women were feeling at this time yeah and, and this
3: is this is how the world reacts around them
2: yeah all the time and then even when so it's Edith and Abby um Vanessa Redgrave love that um And, you know, when they're leaving the cinema, they're, like, kind of dismissing it to... You don't hear their real opinion about the film, which I think is really interesting. She just says to the guy, being like, did you enjoy it? He's like, oh, too much high drama for my taste. Just, like, dismissing it all. But you never actually hear what they really think. But then you kind of see what they really think because when they walk past those young couples and those young teenagers kind of looking at them and kind of kissing each other, that's the moment where you're like, ah, we have no idea what they've gone through. Like, that. Like, looking at the younger generation, like, the future, and being like, oh. Like, I'm not getting a nice reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also nice to see older gay people on screen. Yeah. Because um, we don't have a lot of that. No.
3: And so for each of the segments in this film i could think about some other films that reminded me of it and this kind of gave me the same um what films a secret love (gasps) which is a documentary but it talks exactly about this two old women that come out when they're in their 90s to their family that made
2: me cry so hard oh like a baby it's on netflix if anyone wants to watch it if you've not seen it but it's beautiful and there's so many stories like it you know um i think i recommended the book earlier lesbian life stories it talks about how these couples have been together 40 50 years and then they finally get legally married oh my god my heart the way i cry every damn time there's just
3: something about like people that are like your grandma's age being lesbians I just love it. Yeah, like, like it Miriam. makes me feel so comforted. <laughs> like, Miriam. makes me feel so
2: comforted. Like, but also, like, I just so respect like realizing you're gay in the '60s. That time in the UK, it was illegal. It was against yeah. the well, lesbianism was never illegal, but that's a whole other story, honey. But
3: <laughs> check back on episode whatever we did on this subject.
2: <laughs> episode whatever we did, UK well, classic what was it
3: Three or four.
2: Yeah. yeah, it, it was, was one of those early Pinaru. ones. Um, really, I enjoyed that one. That was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. So this... <sighs> They're so cute, the two of them, though, aren't they? Oh God, this, this, this story was so sad. You get such Amber. a small time of the two of them interacting together. Mm-hmm. But it's so beautiful. And like now I'm older. I think when I watched this when I was 15, I was like, meh. But now I'm older. <laughs> not that I'm that much older. Anyway, blah, blah, um, like I kind of am like, oh, that's an aspiration. That's nice. Like I, to, to see them so contented with one another, like in their little insular domestic bliss, I'm like, yeah, that is nice. Yes, please. It is <laughs> until <laughs> until
3: uh oh uh, um, spoilers until give me the names again
2: Edith Edith Abby and Abby
3: yeah is it Abby that falls Abby is the one that falls until Abby falls off a ladder has a stroke and passes away like just like just like that just like that and my god there is a scene in the hospital before we know that Abby is dead no because it's where,
2: actually queer trauma
3: this where edith is talking to a woman whose husband just had a heart attack and the woman asks her did you ever have a husband she says no i was never married and she says you're lucky because you'll never have the heartbreak of losing one
2: the way Two i'm seconds later, my head right now
3: Literally, two seconds later edith gets refused visitation because she's just a friend and only family is allowed to visit outside of visitation hours and next
2: the way honestly 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 like the way this happened before same-sex marriage was legalized like because i don't know how it works with straight couples like if it's just your partner but like Back in the day, same sex couples, no, no, you're not allowed in. And some gay people, they wouldn't be speaking to their families because they've come out and been ostracized. Like, not to get really dark, but like, Jesus Christ.
3: Oh, uh, I, I, this was so hard for me to watch. It's horrible. Find, it's horrible. I found it so heartbreaking. I just can't. It was so, it was painful every time something new happened. It was painful. Her her partner dies, her life partner, they've been living together for 32 years. Her life partner dies and she didn't even get to say goodbye or say bye to the body or talk to her when she was still alive because she wasn't allowed visitation because she's just a friend. But then on top of that, a million other things happen
2: that are bad. This is the thing. So basically, obviously, Abby's nephew is next of kin. He doesn't really know her. He turns up with his wife and daughter. So what confuses me is that the house goes to him. But is it solely in Abby's name? Or is it in Edith and Abby's name? Because, it was solely in Abby's name. See, because mm, it wasn't in both of their names, he gets everything and she gets nothing. And she, she was like, I've paid off the mortgage for this home. And that, I think... Is a relatable thing for, for women of that of that time that like, when their partner died, it was just like, oh, like I have nothing now, like it doesn't go to me. Yeah, and it's mad, it's mad. Yeah,
3: she loses everything. She loses. Oh my god, she loses everything.
2: And the worst part is, there's no closure about where she goes. We don't know what happens to Edith. I think she becomes a bird. I hope she became a bird so she could just fly away. Honestly, uh, it's so hard to watch. Yeah. And we have a we have a note about how um queer love stories are becoming more timeless because they're less focused on queer issues. But I wondered what you thought about that.
3: Yeah, so I the way we're talking about frozen in time. This is obviously very fixed in a specific time period. And actually, the film Freeheld mm. talks about kind of the same thing and that film is a lot more recent. Sure. So I'm not gonna say that this is just about the sixties, but that invisibility of queerness is very specific to that time, right? So
2: walk me through walk me through what happens in Freeheld.
3: So I blocked that out. Okay, it um, was <laughs> the saddest thing it's ever. It's also it's
2: Julianne Moore, right? And Julianne um, Moore and Elliot, Elliot Page.
3: Page, and um, queer couple. And then Julianne Moore is terminally ill, and Elliot Page has to fight to get any rights. Um, awful post Julianne Moore's life. I forgot their names. It's based on a on a real story. Yeah, it's just incredibly sad. Um, so kind of based on the same idea of this love is real but it isn't recognized and it is made invisible obviously in the 60s here what we see in if these walls could talk to a lot more invisible i mean completely invisible the the one person that seems to get it a little bit is the little girl when she walks into edith crying really hard oh my god at some point, she seems to get something more, but the rest is just completely oblivious. But do you think to...
2: she represents the next generation? Like, obviously, then we flash forward in time. But you know, when at the end, when they leave the house, and she only shakes the little girl's hand, it's like, right, you know, I'm, yeah, you know, you're taking that with you now. Ho- like, maybe, hopefully, you'll you'll learn from that and take that with you when you grow up and maybe it will get a little bit better each time, which is kind of what the film does. It gets a little bit better each time, each story we go through. Yeah, Um, maybe. That makes
3: a lot of, that makes sense. It could, yeah. I didn't Um, explain that that very eloquently. (laughs) No, I know what you mean, though. Um, Yeah, I think that girl also represents kind of like the innocence of being a child when like, you don't really have... A formed opinion about things like homosexuality because yeah. no one's told you yet you know and you only form that because of your environmental context so kind of showing like that innocence and that not she just hasn't formed any opinion yet or yeah kind of the oblivion but in a nice way <laughs> I don't know. Oh, i'm I also trying that. to describe this eloquently but <laughs> i think she represents a lot of different things But anyway, to get back to the thing about queer stories and how they evolve. Talking about how the subject matter is so fixed in time, right? Like this is specific to this time. This is also the purpose of this film. So that makes complete sense. And what I was trying to say with that point is that for what feels like the first time, queer stories that are being told are a lot less fixed in time because they don't necessarily have to be as much anymore. No, it can be more timeless. Yeah, I feel like a lot of films that we've had in queer cinema over history have been about queer issues and we're kind of starting to move away from that in the last few years.
2: Yeah which is interesting especially with like younger media like obviously we've talked about Heartstopper and then the new series of Sex Education comes out today when this episode goes live Um, and that that obviously deals with queer issues but like not queer issues in the sense that it's like a big drama it's just kind of like we're just figuring ourselves out we're figuring out our identities and who we are like together and it's not like and that is something timeless yeah it is a timeless issue especially for queer people like coming to terms with yourself um rather than society thinks this is wrong like we've kind of we've we've kind of moved away from that a little bit and and that is nice that is nice in some ways. So, yeah,
3: um, broke my heart, cried, <laughs> wanted to die. but I Vanessa mean, Redgrave, National move? Treasure.
2: Okay. Miriam Margulies so talks painful. about Vanessa Redgrave as well. Has so much respect for her. Um, oh, which nice. I love. Um, so, anyway. Uh, shall we move on to yeah. part two? Uh, 1972? Yeah. So, 11 yeah. years later. Did we say that In if these walls can talk, too, it's all three stories are set in the same house, Joyce. (laughs) My jaw just no, that's the point. If these walls could talk,
3: (laughs) wow, gay house, Joyce. Where where do I move in,
2: (laughs) please? Tell me, tell me, you got you understood that before. (laughs) No, no, right? Okay, no. So, for those that don't know, this film the three that's the three stories we're moving through time we have montages of like queer rights marches and and movements and people doing speeches and stuff but we always have a shot of the house at the start and it's the same house there's three queer narratives in the same house
3: so you know how people say that you are born gay What if you're not born gay, but you just are born in a house where you become gay? (laughs) Someone needs to sage that house. I'm kidding. No. Never sage away the gay. I know.
2: Sage the gay away. No, no. That sounds
3: like something RuPaul would say.
2: Um, Anyway, same house, we cut forward to Michelle Williams, who we've spoken about in in our Brokeback Mountain episode on our Gay Actually (sighs) channel. On Spotify, plug, plug, plug. I love her. She's great. Jeez. She's fab. Um, she looks good in this. She how? She looks so young. She does look very young, but she is a college student, I suppose. Yeah. yeah so we have Michelle Williams and her three housemates living in the house. They're all at college together. One of the housemates is Natasha Leone. <laughs> now we know why na- what other famous queer film Natasha Leone was in during this time this is this sometimes
3: it she blows had a my good mind. year <laughs> yeah, she did like why would they be why would a person be cast repeatedly as a lesbian if they're a straight person like do you know what I mean like it's not adding up
2: yep, yep, one plus one is five <laughs> right. <laughs> this part so the four of them are kind of they're in a feminist group at their college and then all of a sudden the feminist group is like the uni is threatening to close us down we can't deal with your lesbian issues right now and they're like screw you and there's like there's this tension and during all of this michelle's character meets they go to a lesbian bar and she meets amy aka motorbike lesbian god to be honest like I I
3: uh, 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 okay, that's it. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not even like my type, but like you know what I mean? No
2: like... No, it's all of our types. Like even if it's exactly. not our type, it's our type. It's like, our type. The gentle suaveness. Oh, suave,
3: that's such a good word. Yeah.
2: Women can yeah. be suave. Like Suave this. Amy is suave.
3: Plus, if you're gonna dress like a man and you do it that way. And that well. You look better than any
2: man. Women in suits Therefore. women in suits. We've said this in our tar episode. Women in oh, suits. Anytime.
3: Like I honestly I need to I I love dressing like a man. Me too. Like oh like God. men's fashion on a hot woman, not calling myself a hot woman, just in general. I mean- men's fashion on a hot woman. Yes. Like sorry but like mommy what? <laughs> sorry <laughs> please <laughs> please <laughs> do
2: you want to keep this episode appropriate or like i'm keeping that in <laughs> okay no because okay. it's true like any woman in a suit yes like a thousand percent
3: Giving you a free pack of cigarettes I don't condone smoking This is not what it's about I don't smoke I just carry
2: them around to look tough
3: (laughs) It's a metaphor
2: (laughs) No, no
3: You hold the thing that kills you But you don't give it the power No
2: No That's not this (laughs) I'm sorry, that was the straightest
3: thing I've ever said
2: Okay. (laughs) Don't ruin Amy for me
3: Amy only has cigarettes to pick up women It's iconic Valid
2: yeah, I mean, I don't smoke, but
3: I only have cigarettes to pick up women. <laughs>
2: <laughs> women in suits aside, um, this second part, isn't... I to be honest, this film is my favourite part. However, there are some, I think, in some parts it's self-aware, and some parts it isn't. To do with it, like making a comment on the internalized. misogyny that some lesbians during that time may have had and it's very clear that you know she michelle williams's character is called linda linda is obviously kind of intrigued by amy kind of like hmm, hmm, hmm." but her friends are quite mean they're like they're very (laughs) yeah they're awful i said quite mean that was my English way of being like they're terrible people <laughs> but like they're very they're very very explicit about being like and I'll use their words and I'll bleep because um, I don't want to use any words that may offend um, but they say there is a difference between being a lesbian and being a d- like for them, it's two very different things. And we don't, I don't really think we have those distinctions now in our generation, but I don't know.
3: I mean, this was kind of new for me. I didn't know that was a thing back then. It's so right. anti feminist, it blows my mind. Yeah, that but they think out that of...
2: they're being feminist, though, because they think that dressing masculine or dressing in a suit is anti feminist. Like, because feminism, for them, is about femininity and being feminine as queer women. Which is
3: it's crazy because... Which was a thing. It should be about being able to express yourself however you want as exactly. a woman. And
2: I think the film is very self-aware and that's what it's trying to tell us. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, there are some other gender things going on now that wouldn't have been able to... they They just wouldn't have been in a film in 2000. And I think if it was made now, issues of gender identity in relation to Amy's character maybe more prevalent yeah um, because they kind of allude to it and then just kind of don't talk about it
3: yeah yeah exactly but I find that quite interesting because like Amy's wearing a binder for example and now that kind of imagery associates a lot with gender identity like Mm -hmm. you say and like a lot of terminology that's pretty new to to the world now for sure um like you know there would have seeing a binder you would think about trans people non-binary people right but there's no talk of gender kind of at all no aside from the dress the way that amy dresses
2: it's very yeah it's very because when linda after their first encounter linda is brushing her teeth in the morning and she finds this picture of her family and amy is dressed in boys clothes and then there's a point where Amy goes to talk about her mother and Linda kind of stops her and says, I know it's okay. And I took that as kind of some comment on gender that they weren't addressing. Um, but I was watching it with my girlfriend and she was like, oh no, Like that's just her acknowledging that her mum was okay with her dressing like that. So I was, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like I didn't think of it like that. So it's interesting how different people take different perceptions from it. I don't yeah. really know what the point was. I'd love to ask the director. I
3: don't even know either. I don't really know either.
2: I think there's a line that sticks out that Natasha Leone's character says to Linda, saying about Amy, like, you're really not serious about this girl, are you? Blah blah blah. And Linda's like, Why are you being so mean? And Natasha Leone says, It's worse than imagining you with a man. Like and that like that to me is so misogynistic, like it's that's so bad, right
3: that yeah, no, that <laughs> like Natasha, come on, come on, You're natasha, better. like, no, that was shocking, and this is what i'm yeah. what I mean, like I had no idea this was a thing, it was like a then. whole,
2: yeah, a whole side to it. I don't know much about it, but it was like a whole side to lesbianism, like rejecting any anything masculine. Right. Which, I mean, okay. You know, I can't comment on 70s feminism. <laughs> uh, but, yeah.
3: Yeah, but... I don't know. But I think the film did it pretty well, I think. Especially with the way it ended. And it kind of explores it with us in a very gentle way. and like a very kind of take it as it comes away that i quite appreciated. like yeah. you say it's not really explicitly mentioned and it's not there's not much explained but we understand it anyway and i think that that makes it a lot more timeless than you would expect this is this is how it felt to me this is why i thought this part was so great this is my favorite part it's yours too right
2: yeah yeah Definitely.
3: I I mean, aside from just the story and it being so cute and sweet, like, oh, the sisters so actually are portrayed as bitches Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no one's siding with them. If you're siding with them, you have issues. I mean, sorry to say.
2: There's no redemption for them. Like, that no. is. And, and they're
3: being the... predatory when, when Amy's visiting. Yeah. But, like, actually predatory. Like, making Amy change in front of them because she's also a girl. Oh,
2: yeah, that's fine. remember that part? Yeah, was that's fine. Weird yeah yeah and like natasha leone's character being really possessive over linda as if she's got some type of protective claim over her because they used to date once i'm like no 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 going back to your point about um time i what's interesting is i feel this most with this part is that it's such a, a fragment in time for these characters lives we don't know what came before we don't know what comes after we don't know any of their history their background their family dynamics what happened to them up until this point what happens after and yet with linda and amy their budding relationship there's there's this familiar familiarity and understanding that i think que- like queer women just connect to like we don't need to know anything about these characters the experience that they're having on screen is enough to be like, yes, I see myself in you, and I know what you're going through, and like people who lived during that time, which you know would have been, there would have been people watching this film that lived that during that time, um, and that's quite nice to me, and I feel like I feel like that with this part the most, mm. yeah,
3: it was super cute. I really really like this part. It made me think a lot of summertime the oh, french yeah. film la belle saison oh um, oui oui <laughs> oui, oui. <laughs> um not just because of the feminist issue just that part um but that film is set in i think 1970 i want to say it's either one or three um <laughs> in paris like kind of half halfway between paris and the countryside mm-hmm. um about two women that fall in love and kind of those things of intersecting feminism with lesbianism yeah. and uh, the role of men. Um, interesting. There's not, but yeah, there's no like characters that are more masculine which is obviously kind of one of the main aspects of of the the part in If These walls We Talk To. But yeah. it gave me the same vibe and I think talking about those issues with feminism is just really interesting. It's an interesting intersection. Yeah. Um, sure. Of queerness and feminism. I just thought I just, I just thought it was really like interesting. This 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 part. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, oh, it's, it's so fucking cute. It's, it's good. It's cute. Is cute. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it. It's so innocent and pure. It's yeah, so cute.
2: It's like yeah. the start of something. Like we've yeah. just watched with the previous part. We've watched the end of something, and now we're watching the start of something. It's the start of something, <laughs> of something new you go. Oh, you left me hanging.
3: I, 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 don't I was like, Gabriella, those. where are you? I know, I've only seen High School Musical once. <gasps> I know. Please. But Please. I love Bet On It. That's from the second one, right? Yeah. Bet on it, bet on it. I'm not gonna stop. Yeah, I don't know how I <laughs> not gonna stop till I get my shot. Oh, That's right. <laughs> okay. <was> like, <laughs> the stars.
2: That's completely not the melody. That sounds like S Club 7. (laughs)
3: Wait, what is it? How does it go? We okay. (laughs) I give up. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. (laughs) I was not a Disney kid. I don't know what to say. I didn't
2: have Disney except like I when they um, I had a friend that had Disney Channel and when high school musical 2 premiered we went round to her house and dressed up and went to watch it. Wow Wild. We went to watch High School Musical 2 on her TV. There was a countdown and everything. Bed on it, babes. Anyway, moving oh swiftly God. on. Yeah. Shall we discuss the last part, the Ellen DeGeneres, Sharon Stone, Dido sex montage part? I
3: love that you wrote that down as a note because a when Dido came mom. on, when Dido <laughs> came on, I was like, oh, I'm I'm at home. I'm home.
2: <laughs> Mummy, i arrived. Thank you. Yeah, did, what did you say? Mummy has arrived. Uh, no, I said,
3: Mummy, I've arrived.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> oh my god, I love dido. dido.
3: Me too. I love Dido, and also the videos of Dido, like around the time when all these songs were coming out. The she m- is hot.
2: Yes, the music video to this song I oh. used to watch on repeat when I was like six. Damn. Yeah. And then, a woman. and then 10 years later, not even 10 years later, I think I was 15 when I watched this, I was way too young. I hear this song and Ellen DeGeneres and Sharon Stone are having sex to this song. And my brain is like, what is going on? <laughs> like, this is not, this is what? Criminal. What? How dare you?
3: How dare you? But also keep going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but. What did you think of the sex scene? We'll we'll talk about it and then we'll just move on. we we'll just have to talk about it. What did you think um, of it? I found it
3: I just can't think of Ellen like a sexual being. Is no, that weird? No,
2: I totally get it. I felt exactly like <laughs> I felt I felt that way <laughs> That's at the time. so bad to say. No. But I
3: just I it was weird seeing Ellen having sex.
2: But it was like, obviously Sharon Stone, huge sex symbol in the nineties. Like, can't deny. Mm-hmm. Seeing her with ellen and the the scene is weird like there's lots of weird cuts like there's some parts where you're like they're not doing anything we're just you know what
3: it was directed by ellen's then girlfriend she probably didn't want to
2: that's such a good point that That was sharon
3: stone was in bed with her girlfriend i mean she was like let's put dido on it so we can make it as asexual as possible True. I'm getting oh, love Now I, I get did. it.
2: I now I get it. I get the motivation.
3: <laughs> yeah, it felt okay, you know what? I when that part started, I felt this pure like nostalgic feeling for a time period I wasn't even alive in. Well, I was alive, but I was too. Like that dido music <laughs> yeah, with yeah, like yeah. the vibe of the scene. I was like, "Wow." The two thousands that was real, man. Would you say that was it's, real,
2: dude? Would you say it's frozen in time?
3: It this one hundred million percent. <laughs> this is the least timeless, like, part of this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: well, this whole section is is. Um... Are frozen in time in that way. Like it, it doesn't age. I mean, I'm well. not just talking about the sex scene. No, I know. You no, know, me neither. The like the whole, yeah. the whole relationship to sperm donation. I mean, do you want to? Do you want to talk about the plot for the the last bit?
3: Yeah. So the the last bit is about Ellen. What's Ellen's name in this part? Cal? Is it Al?
2: It's not Ellen. <laughs> Can you That's imagine? So gay. So it's um, it's Fran Ooh. and Cal. Cal is Ellen DeGeneres, and Fran is uh, Sharon Stone.
3: That's the gayest couple name I've ever heard ever um Cal and Fran are a lesbian couple that live together. They seem quite wealthy. I'm not gonna lie anyway. they live together um they're in a definitely in a long term partnership, and they want to have a child now obviously, as a lesbian couple, that can't happen in a natural way
2: and Cal so... doesn't Cal voice that. I hate that I can't yeah, I... get you pregnant, she says.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are trying to get pregnant. Um, so this involves sperm banks, sperm donors, sperm injections. <laughs> so much sperm. <laughs> Just seed don't you, everywhere. Don't you
2: hate that as a lesbian couple, you really more than anything you want in the world is a child and you have to it all has to involve sperm.
3: I mean, Fran is talking about this literally at one point where she's like, When I met you, she says that to Ellen slash Cal. I thought I would never have a man again in my bed and now I have to yeah. count on a man to get me pregnant. I mean, isn't yeah, that so wild? It's very unfortunate. They need to perfect
2: that science.
3: Oh my god, they totally should. Like a female sperm, wouldn't that be great? Yeah.
2: Well, there's like an experimental idea that um you can get pregnant without the need for a sperm. Like you can mer or you can merge the DNA of two female eggs. Wow. But I, it's not happening yet.
3: That sounds like one of those things where you can completely design your baby. Like, if you're yeah, going that far, much. you might as well, like, choose their eye color Ooh. and their hair color.
2: They're getting to that point in science, which is why it's, like, a bit like... Ooh.
3: So, basically, this is what it's about. I mean, it kind of follows them from their first, like, picking a donor to their first try... To actually getting pregnant.
2: Yeah, and I think it, I don't know about you, but I feel like it doesn't go, it kind of posits these issues, but then doesn't go deep into them. Like, Cal quite clearly feels insecure and inadequate about being the quote-unquote other parent. um, mm. But, like, these issues are kind of raised. And then it's kind of just like, moving on, ha, <laughs> ha like trying to keep it light-hearted but it's like no you're actually raising some really really important not just like social issues for queer people but at the time very political issues there were lots of people in the states that didn't think that queer people should be allowed to have children at all so yeah it's quite easy for them or even adopt. like the whole
3: process is quite easy yeah the only time they, they get some judgment is when they're in a the waiting room and it's not even voiced it's just like a few looks that are exchanged yeah and that's it. That's kind of the only backlash they face. I
2: feel like it's kind. Of, it's quite a utopian way of looking at it in a sense. And that's quite nice being like, look, this is where we could get to in 2000. But like looking back at it 23 years later, you're kind of like oh, okay, interesting. Because um, they, they talk about well, Sharon Stone says, quote, let's have an ethnic baby. Unquote. And yeah, and then there's all kind of. This is what makes it. This what this is
3: what makes it frozen in time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like conversations like that, and you're kind of like, and but then the conversation just moves on, so you're just like, oh, okay, like, am I not allowed to think about that? Okay, cool. Um, bit strange. Um, also like the whole thing with the turkey baster. I was like, are we really gonna perpetuate that? Okay, Um, I was so
3: uncomfortable in that whole scene when Sharon gets all like dressed up in the. Yeah, like, I don't even know what she's wearing, and she puts like
2: flowers all over the bedroom, like, like some fertile land. Like it just, like props for trying to make an uncomfortable experience romantic. Like I understand that.
3: Oh, she was trying to make it romantic.
2: Well, I think you know because obviously sh- they were hoping oh. to conceive their child. Like I think that ah. I think that was the point.
3: But she's wearing like f- uh, feathers around yeah. her it's, neck. It's it's <laughs> it's it's like she was high. And then she boils the turkey baster, and it like becomes like Yeah, all and also melted. like turkey
2: baster, like. And but then obviously they do show like she goes to the clinic and
3: on the fourth try. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then we cut to the end, and they just gasp, and then they just dance in the bathroom, and you're like, oh, okay, that is I'm quite like nice. the baby's
3: gonna fall out. This is the only thing I could think of. <laughs> like, stop jumping. Joyce. The baby's gonna fall out. <laughs>
2: Joyce. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> what? <laughs> I think whilst the the story does have its faults, have its faults, it does lay the groundwork for later discussions and depictions on this film. And you know what I'm going to talk about? You know the film I'm going to talk about. The kids are all right. That is <laughs> no, the not. other <laughs> naughties. Well, it's 2010, so it's not really naughties. But that's the other depiction of. Sperm donation for a lesbian couple. And what happens? And I mean, we do. <laughs> the oh kids lord! Right. Right. And And right. So when that film came out, tangent, it's fine. We're going to tangent. But when this film came out, it was celebrated in the media. Like Brokeback Mountain had come out five years before. Oh, finally, we're getting a mainstream lesbian film. Great. And boy, oh boy, was it the Brokeback Mountain effect because it was like solely four straight audiences. Like, I mean, for a film that comes out in 2010, brilliant, groundbreaking in some ways, but also <laughs> <laughs> mm. like, um, the point yeah. that this was it. This and that. Benning won a Golden Globe for this film. This film was nominated in the 83rd Academy Awards. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. Oh yeah! Can you believe it? Like and it, who? Who? Like it was, it was written by a queer woman. Okay, fine. It, okay, it is based on her truth. Okay, fine. But for a wide lesbian audience, not fine. And there was an article in the Independent, which I found from the time, and I'm going to try and open it if my laptop will allow. The article is from November 2010, uh, and it's called. The Kids Are Alright, not according to the lesbian lobby. Uh, (laughs) It has been billed by critics and fans as a a Hollywood lesbian lifestyle movie with a genuine mainstream appeal, but The Kids Are Alright is certainly not alright with one group, lesbians. Director Lisa Cholodenko may be heavily tipped for an Oscar nomination for her film, blah blah blah, but the movie has won little praise from the gay community who say that the film trades on the heterosexual myth that all gay women secretly desire men. And that's that's the issue is that julianne moore one of the lesbians for some reason when meeting and striking up a friendship the family strike up a friendship with the sperm donor of their two children so yeah yeah they sleep together why they sleep together my
3: my whole thing with this film is could the story feasibly happen yes I'm, I'm sure this has happened many a time. And it,
2: it's, I mean, well, apparently it's based thing. in truth. So, um... yeah, I mean,
3: listen, lesbians sometimes sleep with men. Um, no judgment from anyone here. Mm-mm. Sexuality is fluid, not at all, has nothing yeah. to do with it. People cheat. Also, once again, whatever, it's not an unrealistic story. Yeah. The point is that it's an Oscar worthy film or advertised as an Oscar worthy queer film. That was supposed to be progressive for representation, but it was completely meaningless to actual queer audiences. Yeah. This is the problem. Yeah, with you this film. you
2: explain that so much better. But yes, and like that's why, like similar to if these walls could talk too, it's kind of frozen in time. Because can you imagine if this was made now? It doesn't serve oh, queer audiences at all. It,
3: not at all. It doesn't serve the queer. <laughs> I almost said like narrative and I was like, that sounds like agenda. It doesn't serve the queer agenda. Like, <laughs> it doesn't actually serve anything for anyone. No. Like this is the type of film that my straight mom would watch and say, oh, this is amazing. And I would be like, what?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember watching the film at the time and being like, oh, maybe I didn't watch it at the time. I think I must have watched it later. But I remember watching it, like hearing that it was amazing and so good for like lesbian representation and same sex families. And then watching it and being like, why my why do my feelings not match that? And like, no shade to the film, good, well made film. Mm,
3: some shade to the film,
2: but some shade to the film. Um, and I was trying to look at the reception at the time, and obviously that was there was that article from the Independent. The general perception was kind of positive, but obviously that's the mainstream heterosexual perception.
3: Um, I think the Oscars give awards to everyone. Remember when Green Book won? Like, what was that all about? <laughs> Crash won. A, won. A, sorry. Okay. No offense. I mean, full of <laughs> Crash in two thousand five won the Oscar for best.
2: It but even even Dallas Buyers Club, Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey, one or both right. of them won Oscars. I don't know. I think both of them won Oscars for that film. And it's again, so performative. That's queer characters in like framed for a heterosexual audience and like yeah it is performative and it is kind of like and like i feel bad bringing it up in context to if like with if these walls could talk to because obviously that is intended for queer audiences and like it's different but it kind of does that same thing of it like it captures a pocket in time which is just like what
3: at least brokeback mountain i know we, we've talked about brokeback Brokeback Mountain in relation to this and you even like wrote it down in our notes yeah at least Brokeback Mountain is a good
2: film oh so good <laughs> so good It's
3: right so I my story with this film is I was I think about 15 also just starving for anything that was queer Classic. to watch yeah. and um I bought the blu-ray because it was on discount in a store and I used to buy dvds and blu-rays and i watched it and i was like what the hell did i just spend two hours watching yeah. this is i'm not interested this was boring i can't believe that it it's it's literally the breakdown of a queer partnership yeah in, in a time where those things are supposed to be celebrated like this is a queer yeah. family with two children from a sperm donor but like two it's just a, it's no it's a normal family just with two women and this is something that should be celebrated, but instead it's breaking down because, because of, like you say, the most unethical reason: the sperm donor, the sperm donor being in an affair with one of the women. Like this is insane. Yeah, and like no one wants to see this story except for maybe straight people that just want some thing. love drama.
2: This is the thing, and there are other issues in the their relationship, like Annette Benning's character. Uh, struggles with drinking and and there's other stuff and Julianne Moore's character is like I just want you to notice me I just want you to crave me like all of this stuff so in that sense in hindsight I'm slightly more sympathetic that it's interesting and good to see a same-sex couple struggle with real world domestic problems like it can't be like happy queer utopia all the time I get that but this came out in 2010, as you say, during a time where we needed that positive representation. We didn't need this then. Like In hindsight, it's all well and good me being like, oh, you know, it's nice to see a realistic, like, same-sex couple. Like, you know, couples, things happen, as you said. But, like, this then? Was that? No. Like, and, yeah. yeah. Exactly.
3: and And it's, yeah. And, but am I just threatened? like no, I really don't think you are. I really don't think you're just threatened because I see where you're coming from, Sorry, I'm like pointing like <laughs>
2: I love it we're, I'm very passionate so Listen, into it.
3: I see where you're coming from, and this actually goes back to what we were just talking about with if these wasps could talk too about Ellen's character being threatened, kind of by the idea of I can't biologically give you a child what is my place in this partnership as a parent yeah. when i'm not the one getting pregnant blah, blah blah. i wish i could i wish i had sperm like you know this whole dilemma we see kind of this story 10 years later um but with actual children you know the whole process has been done mm-hmm. and then we see we get to witness this <laughs> sorry you don't know you need to keep this out this <laughs> okay that's not anybody (laughs) this ass. (laughs) this this awful leave it at that This like results like you have these insecurities that 10 years before were shown on film like these are insecurities that same-sex couples deal with when parenting and 10 years later this film comes out that is celebrated and is a Oscar Beatty film, or whatever you want to call it, got, I don't know how that got its awards. And it actually shows the worst case scenario of sperm donation.
2: This is the thing. And especially, like, I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face when those that came before us, as we've seen in it's These Walls Can Talk Too, like, fran and cal even edith and abby way back when paving the way before any of us were even freaking born for just an ounce of respect or positive representation and all of these issues even in 2000 were so delicate and so like no one talked about them not in the states like this was such a touchy subject and such a brave and bold film to an so obviously like we can say what we want in 23 years down the line But at the time, okay And then yeah. we get The kids are all right And we're like, what is Mark Ruffalo doing here? <laughs> like, why is he here? Like oh. no, 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 no No, 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 no I'm just It's, it's tragic yeah. It's just tragic Yeah, like, and I think I'm what? more harsh than I was then Obviously because I'm older And wiser but like,
3: <laughs> I just, I just no. don't think it's right. And there's this other thing that I've noticed while thinking about this film is that, and this is why it's for straight audiences. This is literally, to me, this is the kind of main indicator, sure. is that this film constantly talks about the place of men in a lesbian relationship. You have, yes, and this is, this is one scene now I haven't seen this film in a while, but this is one scene that I always remembered because I just found it so curious. Mm-hmm. And like I said I was 15 when I first watched it and I just found it interesting, like curious. I was like, is this actually like a thing? But there is a scene where one of the kids catches the the moms or like watching gay porn or like maybe they found a VHS or something. I but, like about gay that. P- like men on men. P- and they the parents, the two women decide to talk to the kid about it. And they basically say something about how because they're sorry, sorry for this language. This is literally what they say. Because their arousal is internal because they're women. It's exciting for them to see it on the outside. It's fair and whatever, but I'm very like impartial about this. I don't care either way. This is not really the point. The point is that we constantly hear about men in their relationship. You have the sperm donor which is a very big part of this film obviously not just the affair but also before yeah um, about his place what it what, he, what his status is in the family like is he a dad in a certain way or is he just a sperm mm-hmm. i know but the kids are also questioning it so it's constant talk about him there's meeting him there's the affair with him then there's are you having sex with men now like that whole discussion and then the gay part is just constantly talking about the space that men hold in this lesbian relationship with their children yeah their children are very involved in it so true it's just weird to me and i think this is why it never felt like a queer film to me
2: yeah um because it's because it just doesn't feel like holds men in in the center
3: yeah and it's kind of just constantly about that relationship between men and the two women and it's kind of like Well, what what am I watching this for? Because I could just watch, you know, some other random film that was nominated for an Oscar for no reason, and I would feel the exact (laughs) same.
2: Like, not just one, four. It was nominated for
3: four Academy Awards. I need to look this up now.
2: I've got it. Okay, tell me, tell me what
3: they were nominated for.
2: Um, including one for Best Picture. What?
3: What was okay? What came out that year? Was this the worst year for cinema, or
2: what? I don't know. Okay. The film was nominated for Best Picture at the 83rd Academy Awards. Benning and Ruffalo were nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor, respectively. Cholodenko and Blumberg, the writers, were also nominated for Best Original Screenplay. What? Are you serious? Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, This is (laughs) concerning. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But that, that was the perception at the time. Wow, look at this groundbreaking brown blaking. <laughs> look at this groundbreaking film featuring a same-sex couple with a family. Um That was the perception, wasn't it? Yeah. It was it was hailed. In moments like this, I like to turn to letterboxed and whenever I am put, I'm logging a film, I like to see if Joyce has written about the film. And you did write about the kids are all oh, right. Oh no! What did I say? Can I read oh, it? Oh no! I'm really scared. Yes, read it. <laughs> you gave the film four stars. What? Which is, this is okay. When is this from? I'm so embarrassed. I don't know. I can't see when it's from. But the but you said, Julianne Moore, more like Julianne, move away from the. D- you have a wife. Oh! <laughs> And I read that like two hours ago and was like, <laughs> That is outrageous <laughs> um, and that's valid. Uh so if anyone sees that, give it a like on Letterboxd, oh I have. Um there's also another uh <laughs> there's another review by Kyle. The kids may be alright, but is Mark Ruffalo's backyard Did the <gasps> f- ever get finished? Like Julianne, honey, you had one job. Oh my god. Oh. Anyway, do you ha- on that note? On that lovely, lovely note, so, yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts about if these walls could talk too? Frozen in time?
3: The kids, okay, yeah, I mean, I think the idea of Frozen in Time is super interesting, um, especially because we talked about this a lot yesterday, like you mentioned earlier, but kind of taking that angle where it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is still very fixed in the time it came out, and how can we look at that now and learn about how far we've come that's really interesting to me um but then we have the kids are all right which is a good example of that's frozen in time because it's it it was then but it's even worse now um
2: do we have another more recent example of say like a a show or a film about same-sex couples with Kid issues. The only thing I'm thinking of is this random mid-teen, like 2010s show called The Fosters. I never watched that, but that was ages ago. Right. But like, do we have any more recent I don't examples? Because I don't know if we do.
3: I actually don't know either. It's Because the kids common, right. Like, it was
2: like 13 years ago. Yeah,
3: it's not a very common theme in. Charisma. Well,
2: listeners, if you have any, let us know. We would love to watch them and maybe even review them yeah um Um,
3: i wanted to add one more thing and i'm just gonna try and plug this film as much as i possibly can until everyone has seen it that includes you ember actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i want to talk really briefly about this film that i love so dearly called between two women um which is also yes. this is going back to part 1 of if these walls could talk to you have there's no death you have helped me to watch this yeah and actually also to what you said about Miriam let me let me explain first of all that invisibility of queerness in like the 60s that kind of time um really interesting kind of seeing these two women have a relationship that blossoms in an environment that is not necessarily welcoming and to talk about what Miriam said about coming out, yes or no, um, this film also talks about that um, I don't want to spoil it, and there's not much to spoil in general, but one of the women, you know what I don't, I don't want to tell you because I really want you to watch it. but there's, it, it really it, it really briefly talks about this idea of coming out, is it something that's worth it?
2: so Ooh. it really it doesn't um, delve
3: into it but it is you know
2: i just really want you to watch to, it <laughs> yeah you've been trying to get me to watch this for a while so i think i think i'm gonna have to just have do to. it and i think we are just gonna have to talk about and it. and
3: i will also just add this is for everyone there's two versions of the film there's the short version and there's the i think director's cut longer version please for the love of god watch the longer version because the short version cuts okay. out all the good parts And do you have any final thoughts on Frozen in Time?
2: I think it's interesting when we look back on films like this, um, especially films uh, for, in my experience, revisiting films from adolescents, revisiting them as adults, because my opinions have changed multiple times uh, in the 10 years since I first saw this film. And I like that, my teenage opinions and my teenage self is kind of also frozen in time in that way and I can look back on it and kind of be like oh look what you know now that's nice oh look look at that um and then also like whoa but (laughs) that's a really sweet way to
3: put it I like that
2: um but no I think it's always interesting when we look back on kind of more well, I I don't know if historical is the right, right word to use for this film, but kind of more um, historical portrayals of, of lesbians and queer women mm. um, to kind of see who came before us and see what issues they were dealing with. Um, yeah, I like that a lot.
3: Great. And this was a really interesting episode, I think. Yes. Quite enjoyed it.
2: Thank Thank you so much for talking to me about it. And thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you did, be sure to do the things. Uh, Rate (laughs) us, follow us, leave a review. Joyce is laughing at me because I always try and segue really suavely into this and I just don't. I just scrabble around. You can follow us on Instagram at GayActuallyPodcast. We also have our own podcasting channel you can search gay actually on spotify and we will come up have a look we talk not just about film but we talk about media we talk about tv we talk about culture so if you're interested in those things in a queer context pop on over we'd love to have you um if you have any requests you can dm us on instagram or we are at gayactuallyuk at gmail.com thank you so much joyce thank you as always, always amber thank you all as always take care have a lovely time oh, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say have a lovely weekend but this comes out on the thursday but anyway stay safe everyone and goodbye Bye. Bye.